Hey everyone, welcome to Take It to the House. My name is Cody Simmons. Today is Thursday, January 20th, 2022. This week's episode features another conversation breaking down the week ahead between my brother and myself. And we thank you to those who have been following us every step of the way. We are continuing to work out some audio issues. So if you notice a differentiation between how these conversations normally sound, we're just trying to find that right fit. So I hope y'all stick with us today. Apple Podcasts and now Spotify provide reviews for podcasts. So if you have any feedback for us, please make sure to fill in your review and throw it in there. Thank you so much for listening. And here's this week's preview of the NFL Divisional Round. Um, but I really wanted to just hop straight into it. So we got four games coming up. We have our numbers one seeds finally coming back from their bye on Saturday. And then we have uh, the Buccaneers and the Chiefs, respective number twos, in their, uh, each of their conference getting kicked off on Sunday. But our first game that we got is going to be the Tennessee Titans with or without Derrick Henry. I'm not quite sure what's going on there yet. He hasn't been activated as of Wednesday from the IR, um, but could be making a return here. Cincinnati Bengals will be heading to Nashville for this game. Gets kicked off at 3.30. What do you expect here? I understand we we saw a lot of great things with the Bengals as the season ended and then ultimately in their matchup against the Raiders, which Raiders put a hell of a fight. I, I told you I thought that one was going to be really, really close. The Raiders have that clutch gene, and most of it comes from that guy behind center. Um, more on them in a little bit, but... The Bengals were really impressive and did what they had to do offensively. Now, the issue that I had with them in that matchup was that defense. Trey Hendrickson um, going down was a major hit. I don't know how he's expected to be back, but I don't know how healthy he's going to be. Uh, and then I always forget his how to sp- say his last name, but Ogunjawali. Oh, yeah, I can't say it. I, it starts with an O. Ogunjobi. Uh, I'm so yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, another major. He uh, he he left with a concussion, and um, yeah, it's 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 crazy crazy to have those two major pass rushers, which are so pivotal in terms of there isn't really much else going on on that defense. Um, this Titans team really got it together. They got really healthy at the end of the season, and they really readjusted that defense to be the primary uh, face of that team, if you will. I mean, Mike Vrabel, obviously defensive guy, really wanted to restructure that. And if a defense looks bad under Mike Vrabel's helm, that that can't be um, any good for for that man. So I'm expecting the Titans to really win this one with or without Derrick Henry. I just think they're a more balanced team. But, you know, what what do you like, at least from the Bengals side of things? And do you think it's enough for them to beat a team like the Titans? We'll say without Derrick Henry, because with Derrick Henry, you and I obviously have our own assessment of that team after the fact. Well, I think I'm in the same boat as you. Even without Derrick Henry, I do think I like the Titans more in this matchup as well. Um, now, unless the Cincinnati Bengals just come into Tennessee and that offense just completely explodes and goes off like they are capable of doing, uh, I just don't know if I see that because because when you've got a head coach like Vrabel who just always seems to have his defense in order – I just can't see, uh, like, again, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, all these guys, they're they're extremely talented, and they're going to make plays no matter what. And then just from the defensive perspective, I think you just got to understand, like, some of these things are just going to happen, and it's okay. We can live with it. The key is minimizing these these big play opportunities as much as possible because that's what the Bengals sort of bank on. You know, but if they if they're in and, and the other part of it, too, is that they want to get Mixon hot and get him going on the run game as well. So there's a lot of factors, I think, for Tennessee's defense to consider. But ultimately, I find that this game really will kind of it, it's going to kind of come down to the Bengals offense capitalizing on. That's the real matchup. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's, it's kind of a mismatch in terms of the strength of the Titans' offense right, compared to the Bengals' right. defense. But that Bengals' offense, I love that matchup against that Titans' defense. Certainly how the yeah. Titans' defense played at the end of the season. 
Yeah, so I think that's going to be the most exciting part of the game for us to watch is watching uh, Bengals offense going against this Titans defense. And so, um, you know, the, and the Titans having a week off, uh, you know, some say that, uh, you know, does having a bye week. Yeah, momentum. Right. But, you know, I feel like Tennessee is a team that actually might really benefit from this week off and getting this additional time to prepare for this high-caliber offense like the Bengals do have. Where I have questions about the Bengals will be, obviously, on their defense um, because I I don't know how good their defense needs to play, but if, if they play... If they play just a little bit better than what they do, I mean, it makes it does cause problems for the Titans. Now, now again, if if Derrick Henry is healthy and playing, that's going to be a nightmare for the Bengals' defense. But even if Derrick Henry isn't playing, I've been in, I've been very impressed with the way Deontay Foreman has been running the football for right. the Titans. Like, I think the Titans are just showing that. They're flexible and capable to work with what they have. And, and Tannehill is mainly showing that as well. And Tannehill is showing that he is capable of bringing a team back if they're down at any certain point. Like, I, I'm really impressed with the way Tannehill has been playing because I think if he, he seems to be able to minimize turnovers and things like that. If the guy takes care of the football... And then Cody AJ Brown is still AJ Brown. What I the mean, hell was that like second to last game where everybody right? was just like, "Oh, he's coming back from injury. Don't start him in your fantasy lineups." Ends up coming away with yeah. just a monster game. Right, AJ Brown is still AJ Brown. Yeah, AJ Brown just has had this additional time to get back into the swing of things. But the point is, the man takes the field, and he's he's just he's showing up. And I think AJ yeah, Brown, defensive eyes got to be on him. But at this at the other yes. side of the ball, like I'm so I'm so ready. I mean. Julio Jones waited until the very last game of the season to get his first touchdown on a team other than the Falcons. And I really want to see this guy unlock and uh, have a big performance. But, you know, that there is so much talk about A.J. Brown and Jamar Chase, but like that secondary role that the Cincinnati Bengals have so many additional targets. T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, C.J. Uzoma. You know, after A.J. Brown in the passing game, it gets a really, really strange list of players outside of Julio Jones, who, if you took the name off of his back of his jersey, you wouldn't be impressed. Uh, I know Westbrook Akeen, their their slot guy, has done phenomenally well. He's really helped carry the load that maybe they hope to see from, from Julio. But just out of curiosity, because this is in one of the pickums, who do you think has more receiving yards in this game, A.J. Brown or Jamar Chase? Both number one receivers for either team. I mean, it, it's. <laughs> You're gonna I have mean, to pick it at, at, before right, we I get know, the I pick know, submitted. So the, the easy answer would be uh, Jamar Chase. I agree. But he had eight eight receptions, I, I think, for yeah, over a hundred yards against I, the Raiders. I th- I think it's still going to be Jamar Chase, but I at the same time AJ Brown I think is going to be just as productive. Yeah, it's it's not a completely comfortable. Currently, eighty six percent of the votes are cast in favor of Jamar Chase. Of course, but that's about how confident I would be in it. I'd say I'm about eighty percent confident that it would be Jamar Chase. So, I yeah, think Jamar Ch- but I do think AJ Brown's going to have a day with this Bengals secondary. I could see him having a day. Did I really you, do. Do you have? So you, you're picking Tennessee. Comp- Absolutely, I'm picking the. Is there any hesitance on that? In this game at all? Right. I mean, obviously, barring injuries, which we don't ever make predictions in favor with injuries in mind. If I had to, uh, let's see. Okay, so there's four games. I mean, confidence-wise, this would probably be my number two confident pick. Oh, you'd put you'd put two points on the on the Titans in this one. Yeah. Or sorry, three points on the Titans. It would be my second. I would be the second most confident in this game behind the game that we're going to talk about next. Yeah, I think I think three is appropriate. Right. I think that's. I that, yeah. Okay. So for those who are just hopping in, who maybe didn't hear some of our early 
season. Um, Pick'em assessments, confidence pagers are a pick'em system that we use in ESPN where, say there's four games, you rank the four games in terms of how much you want to wager that your pick is correct. So in this case, we think the Titans, out of the four games, is the third easiest game, or sorry, the third... How do I phrase that? The uh, yeah, Titans are the second games. easiest game to pick, yeah. so therefore we will wager three out of the available four it's possible. It's not the most confident pick, but it's your second most confident pick. It still doesn't play. translate well to radio, but nonetheless, <laughs> nonetheless, it's my second most confident pick this week. Um, right. One final moment before we move on. It was just, I feel like there's kind of a moment here to really give a a closing of the book on the Raiders season. Um, I know you kind of had that moment leading up into our playoff recap about the Texans. So it's just going to be kind of as a team comes along, we just close the book on it, especially if it's a team that we follow like you with the Texans, me with the Raiders. This season was absolutely outstanding. I understand that I come off as a very, that's not enough or just hard to please fan. You're you're more of a pessimistic Raiders fan. For sure, because as the past twenty years of the Raiders will tell you, it is much better to wait to be surprised than to wait to be disappointed. Yeah, I don't actually I'm sorry, pessimistic is probably not the right word. I you might legitimately be a realist when it comes to the Raiders. Sure. Tomato tomato, I think in, in yeah. that perspective. <laughs> but Ultimately, I, I I was excited that we got to the playoffs. I think it's a it's a fun little knock against a lot of people who just said the Raiders were going to get bottom in that division and all this and that. But ultimately, what I've been waiting on my entire time being a Raiders fan because I've seen the Raiders make it to the playoffs during this tenure is I want a playoff win. I want a chance to know that my team that I like to watch and support and all this stuff has the chance at beating one of the top top available teams that the a- the NFC, much less the AFC, has to offer. And I thought the Bengals were a totally beatable team. Did I expect us to win? No. I picked the Cincinnati Bengals to win that. But I was just one of those things that I hope I'm wrong. And if I'm wrong, then I get a different outlook going forward. Would I expect the Raiders to repeat into playoffs next year? I hope so. But if you ask me to put money on it, I'd not probably not. We're still in a division with the Chargers. We're still in a division with the Chiefs. Um, the AFC is still strong with teams like the Bills and and all these guys. Cincinnati obviously getting strong. AFC North always throwing a curveball to you with the, some of the other guys, the Ravens and Steelers and so on. But this team still persevered through a lot, losing Damon Arnett, Henry Ruggs, John Gruden, all these guys, just insurmountable things to overcome. And what really stood out this season that – I didn't really have confidence in before the season. So the, the, the bit greatest opinion that really changed about Las Vegas and the team that they call their football team there was that their quarterback, I would take over most of the quarterbacks in the NFL. Most of them. Obviously, you're going to have guys like Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, you know, Josh Allen, these sort of just elite level caliber guys. But there is something to be said about who I would probably classify Derek Carr as like an above average quarterback that has the ability to unlock a clutch moment at any given moment. So he can play to the level of those elite quarterbacks, maybe not as consistently as enough to make him elite, but he has elite moments. And I think that's a really comforting thing for Raiders fans who have just been waiting to finally feel comfortable. I think that was one thing that I was seeing on all the Raiders message boards Um, Instagram posts, all these sorts of things that Raider Nation loves saying, that's our quarterback. That is totally fine. You know, guys like Russell Wilson and all these sorts of guys are talked about being up in the air, Aaron Rodgers and all this and that. But if it really comes down to it, if we have to give up too much to get one of those guys, I'm okay working with a guy like Derek Carr because I think there's a chance at something great with him that we haven't quite seen yet. He's been in the league eight years. Next year will be his ninth. But there's there's something special that I hope the best is yet to come, at least in terms of his career performance. His player performance is probably at a peak right now. But nonetheless, congrats, Raiders. It was a hell of a season, 10-7. and seven. Um, We'll see if Biscacha, uh ends up 
getting the full-time hire. We'll see if I can end up pronouncing his name. And we'll see what players we decide to retain going forward. I know there's going to be a lot of decisions coming in. I know Mike Mayock was released earlier this this week as well. So there's a whole new whole new brain in that draft room coming into uh, coming into the offseason. So nonetheless, hell of a season. Anyways, moving forward, as I hop down off of this soapbox, uh, we have the second game, the primetime game on Saturday between the NFC number one seed hosting the San Francisco 49ers. Aaron Rodgers seemingly within that one to two conversation of uh, MVP votes. A lot of folks think it's already shooing. Pat McAfee consistently greets him as congratulations on your fourth MVP. But Aaron Rodgers is 0-3 against the 49ers in playoffs. And that's something to be maybe commented on. However, I think this is one of those years that trying to compare Aaron Rodgers' years are just not the same because we, we've seen such a different demeanor, I think, for him going into this game. He looks so much more relaxed. I don't know what holds after this season, but he seems very much focused on the present. That could be a thing that he's always applied, but it just seems so much more evident and clear to audience members. Uh, I think this one is the easiest pick of the week. It's my lock of the week that the Packers beat the 49ers. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, I saw a stat earlier this morning um, that he has a 49-point drop in his quarterback rating whenever he is being blitzed. Take a wild guess what you think the Packers are about to do. Um, They don't have a whole lot of stature on defense. They have pretty good secondary coverage, but but there's not a whole lot of skill up in that front seven. Just send everybody, man. Send everybody and let it happen. Debo is going to hurt you, but so is Devontae. And it's one of those things that I love Debo. I would probably want to utilize him as a player overall. But if I could have any two players from any 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 part of the the makeup of this matchup, I take Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, and I don't question it because that's two touchdowns. That's 170 yards, you know, 10 plus catches. Like it's he, they just have a chemistry that I think yeah. is just flourishing, and it has been for the past few years. So it, everybody knows it's coming. They all know it's going to number 17, um, uh, well, and <laughs> you just can't do anything about it. Now there is an X factor here. And I'm really going to be paying attention to this aspect. And it's Kyle Shanahan in big games. Remember, we talked about this early on in the year. That Kyle Shanahan has a struggling... He gets a little trigger happy. And he can sometimes shit his pants whenever a big moment comes in comes into play. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily going to be a blowout. I find that hard to believe. It's really hard to blow out Kyle Shanahan to make it to where his offense can't score. But... I do think the Packers aren't going to struggle as much to really secure a win, and that's why they are my lock of the week. Taylor, what do you like about this game? Um, What do you think the 49ers are really going to have to do? And more so, what do you think your pick is here? Are you going to roll with the Packers as well? Yes, I'm rolling with the Packers. I I wish that this would be such – this would be a little bit more of an enticing matchup to me if – if the uh, San Francisco wasn't so banged up, right? Um, you know, because they are a talent. Fred Warner did say he will be back. By the way, he oh will be gosh. back this weekend. Wow, that's awesome. You Fred Warner went down with an ankle injury in uh, last week's game against the Cowboys. Which, if you want to talk about some Cowboys, I'm, I'm, I don't know if we have much to say. We kind of railed into him last week. It's just kind of, anyway. It's more of a I told you so. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the um. Uh, yeah, and you still want wish you had you have Nick Bosa, obviously, but uh, there's just a lot of uh, and then obviously Garoppolo's got the shoulder thing going on too. So I mean, they they came they came out of that game pretty banged up, but and and whatever it's the playoffs, you're gonna play through some injuries and stuff. But I just feel that I mean this is hard. It's just hard. It's a hard draw for San Francisco. I mean, as as good of a team as they are. I just don't think that they really stand a chance here against Green Bay going up in Lambeau. I think they already surpassed their expectations, which yeah, they wanted to make the first. Yeah, they wanted to make playoffs, yeah. but I think everybody was really excited. I think in the NFC, I would want the Cowboys, and maybe more on this than here in a second. But 
I would want the Cowboys if I was drawing NFC teams. You talked about some oh, of the yeah, some of the yeah. fear you had around the, the the Eagles. They maybe kind of didn't show what you were expecting, but still, nonetheless, there is a history here with the Cowboys team, and I guess we can just kind of go into it that this team struggles. You mentioned it multiple times. I think any Cowboys fan has been avoiding the news, but for those who haven't been able to turn it off or turn the volume down, I'll be brief. The Cowboys have had less wins than the Houston Texans have since the Texans have been around in the playoffs. Texans have four playoff wins. Cowboys have three. The The Cowboys have now, I believe, seven playoff exits. No, no, Cody, eight. They are three and eight. There you go. Eight playoff exits. Um, never reaching an NFC championship. I believe they're one of six teams to not reach the NFC, to reach a conference championship. Um, that list includes like the Lions. That in, I mean, it doesn't include teams like the uh, like the Jaguars, who who we know. It's just it has been so long since there has been a reason to trust this team in the playoffs, and that ultimately comes down to what you and I always talk about. The Dallas Cowboys are a wonderful American business. They make great moves. It's the most valuable franchise in the entire world, but ultimately this team does not make sound football moves in the playoffs. The roster's great. The the facilities are wonderful, but there is just not enough emphasis and focus on win or get the fuck out. There's not enough of that. And they should because it is such a prestigious name. They have Five championships tied with the 49ers. That was there's a lot of bragging rights involved in this past matchup from this past week. But this was something that I called you right after that game, and it was just one of those things that there's one common denominator since 1997, and that's Jerry Jones. And Jerry Jones has done wonderful things for building this brand, for bringing in a whole new group of fans. You know, obviously the Houston Oilers left in around that time, and they were kind of taking on a lot of nomadic fans of football in the state of Texas and along with the surrounding areas. And he did really good in growing that brand. But now it comes the moment. I understand we're always going to hear a good silver tongue from Jerry Jones. But now is the moment that you really need to decide. Do I want to continue to grow the success of this brand, keep packing fans in the seats, keep beating up on the NFC East, which is always going to have two teams struggling? Or do I really want to actually stop picking my friends to be around me in this business and pick people who are going to get the job done? I know Jerry Jones loves to have his finger on the pulse of everything Cowboys decision-making in that in that household, but this is just one of those things that I don't think he is pointing the heads in the right direction. There's guys like Ezekiel Elliott, maybe retained when you and I talked about it. There's a guy like Tony Pollard, who's right underneath, still great blitz blocking, still great pass catching, still great running. And he's playing through injury, and he still looked better than Ezekiel Elliott. But I just don't understand why you retain talent like Jason Garrett for all those years, why you retain guys like Kellen Moore, who... Seems to have struggled quite a bit. Mike McCarthy now is up in the air. I think this is for sure. A, if if not now, it's a next year for a firing. You got to start making more yeah. cutthroat moves. Because right now, mediocrity, even to the level of greatness that reaching a number three seed in the NFL is, is acceptable in that Dallas Cowboys facility. And until that cutthroat mentality that some droplet of new england patriotism gets dropped into that into that pool they're just going to continue to disappoint and casual fans as we've always talked about it have always thought this is our year from from a, a casual dallas cowboys standpoint but football fans have always known no it's not no it is it never will be and this year, more than any other years, before I hop off this soapbox, I think Cowboys fans are tired of being wrong in those arguments. And they're starting to recognize these things, which is an interesting position for Jerry to be in. Because so many times, people have been drinking Jerry's Kool-Aid. And now, 
people are tired of hearing the same conversations every year to the press that they want results. It's no longer prestige of the brand of the caliber of players and all these sorts of things. It's it's time for results. So yeah, yeah. that's yeah. the review for the Cowboys. I mean, ultimately that is, that is the, the, the long winded way of saying why we chose the 49ers so easily last week, just because this, this brand championships are not their priority. Yeah, Randy Moss, the other day, he said it really well, but he's like, man, we say the same thing every single year about the Cowboys and how talented the roster is, all these sorts of things, but then when it comes to the playoffs, that's it. So it's just, it's kind of just becoming, it's just getting old now. Right. What's confusing to me is that... I think I do think legitimately Dallas fans are beginning to recognize this. They are recognizing a trend. And and the thing is is that if I were a Dallas fan, what what would I legitim what am I legitimately proud of with my team? I right. can't find I You don't even have an MVP. No, Cody, I can't find anything to be proud of. And I'm, and I'm not bashing. Like the, the I legitimately have been talking to these guys and I've been like, "Look, Honestly, man, just as a football fan in general, I do feel bad for you Dallas fans because the reality is, is like you're not going to win a Super Bowl with with the trend you guys do. It's just not going to happen. And how long are you going to continue to believe in this hype? That's all Dallas is, is just hype, dude. Every year. It's just, it's just hype. And 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 it's now becoming laughable. How long do you want to become a mockery? Right. Like you're you're asking for it and it's just like if I were a fan, I would be furious and frustrated and I'm just I would be tired of it. Like I'm tired of it. Like it it gets old. It gets old and there's some folks who've been fans for a long time that have recognized these things earlier than this. But it's just it's just old, Cody. It's just an old song, and I'm just for everybody, it. not just Cowboys fans, but yeah, even just NFL fans, casual football fans. We just say the same thing. And there's so many teams that would love to have the roster talent, would love to have the facilities that the Absolutely. Cowboys have, and just to give themselves just a little bit more of an edge and not have to run off of just like grit. Sometimes I I say this because I was watching a team playing a 49-year-old stadium in Oakland for years, and they had all the perseverance to get a championship, but just never quite had enough people that wanted to go to Oakland or the right guys in the building or just the right funds in the building. So um, they're so close. And so it's just so very obvious that it needs to become a mentality shift because this is just such a common thing. But I'm just just tired of... of, of being told that I need to take the Cowboys more Correct. seriously. Correct. I don't. And I won't. So until we'll, they show me. We'll end that little spiel. <laughs> Not so little at the at the very end of it. With the same yeah. way we ended our prediction last week. Prove me wrong. There you go. So moving on into the Sunday games. Um, hopefully we got enough Packers coverage there. Aaron Rodgers is a G. He's probably going to get his fourth MVP. Kyle Shanahan's a guy. Debo Samuel, all these guys, rad yeah, people. Packers are going to win. That's where we're it's, at. It's our lock of the week, but that isn't, you know, we're in the second round of playoffs. Saying something is a lock at this point doesn't mean it's a maybe look yeah. for another game. It's That's a great game. Really fun playmakers on either side. And especially if we can get guys like Fred Warner and Joey Bosa, I think that could be a lot of fun, particularly on the Packers Nick, offense Nick, versus Nick Bosa. I always get those two confused. I know. They're, they're both hurting me all the time anyway, so. Um, moving on to the first game on Sunday in the divisional round. This is the hardest one. In my opinion, this is the closest game of the week. I think we should be giving more respect to a defending Super Bowl champion, but this Rams team did exactly what I needed them to do last week in order to believe that this game was a close game. Uh, Rams are going to be heading to Tampa Bay to face the Buccaneers at 2 PM on Sunday. Taylor, I I don't know how to say how impressed I was with the Rams. Cam Akers came in, and we really thought Sony Michelle was going to be the guy. 
but it turns out it doesn't really matter. I think they really enjoy no, Cam Akers. For him to pop back from an Achilles injury, let me try that again. For him to pop back from an Achilles injury six months after the fact of receiving it and just be able to be so damn physical. He put Buda Baker in the hospital. This guy is a real deal. I think he's putting up a huge fantasy preview. I said it during the game. This guy is going to be on draft boards next year. It's obviously the guy that Sean McVay has wanted to use. I think he didn't like Daryl Henderson due to the injury prone. And he liked using, utilizing Sonny Michelle, but only because Sonny Michelle was as close as he could get to the running style of Cam Akers. Sean McVay has always been hyping um, this guy, and for right reasons. Um, additionally, Odell Beckham. Holy shit. The dude has been unlocked. He is, since joining the Rams, he has six touchdowns. The entire Rams wide, or sorry, the entire Browns wide receiver core from the 2021 season had seven touchdowns. Odell Beckham has six just in his time with the Rams. Absolutely amazing thing to see whenever you see a guy just being throttled down in the wrong offense, the wrong play style, perhaps even the wrong quarterback, as we understand that needs to be such a complimentary relationship. I really love what this defense was able to do too. Whenever that offense is clicking, they are able to just throw so much pressure in the face of the opposing offenses. What has me worried, however, with the Rams, and it's something that we've seen kind of toward the tail end of this season as we know he was playing with an injury, is Matt Stafford. I understand he played well enough. Uh, we saw all of his wide receivers come away with big games. We saw, obviously, a huge lean on the run to take the pressure off of Matt Stafford getting his first ever playoff by. I think he's been in the league 13 years so pretty massive to be able to get that oh, um, at, after that much time but now he's trying to stack those wins they definitely have the roster for it they definitely have a coach who has that mindset which to complement what we were talking about with the Cowboys but Sean McVay being a little trigger happy and maybe losing focus of situations uh, situational moments alongside of Matt Stafford kind of in an unknown territory very opposite waters of the opposing quarterback. Um, I think that's a little bit of a shaky ship for me to stand on. So that's why I believe I'm just going to go with the tried and true of Tom Brady gets a win in the playoffs. But this is so close. I mean, I probably give 55% confidence to the Buccaneers just because they have number 12 behind uh, behind um, center on, on their offense. However, it was there was something that we did misreport going into last week, and that was Levante David being out. Levante David is freaking back, and he made an impact in that Philadelphia game. Uh, I mean, obviously, we know Philadelphia loves to run the ball, and Levante David just basically took up all three gaps directly to either side of the center. Really impressive game from him first coming back, but I... I I can't pick against the Buccaneers. Like, they still got Mike Evans. They still got... I told you Keyshawn Vaughn was going to have a great game. And Gio Bernard is now receiving out of the backfield. Rob Gronkowski is still hanging around out there. Like, no doubt, on paper, this Rams team should win. If in Madden simulation, I'm still going to stand by that point. Madden simulation, this Rams team wins the Super Bowl. They are the most elite... They have the most concentrated... Uh, collection of elite level players Von Miller, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Odell Beckham, Cooper Cup, uh, Matt Stafford, and then even Sean McVay having made a, a Super Bowl in the past. But Buccaneers just have some X factors to them that can't be overshadowed. So I'm going to quit talking so much about these games because I really want to hear your thoughts on them. You were kind of smirking whenever I told you I picked in the Buccaneers. Are, are, are you on the opposite side? Is this the first one we split? or? Yeah, we're split. Okay. Um, okay, so I'll just say it like this. Like, it, the, the proof is in the pudding, and it would be easy to just... Like, if you ask me, who do you believe in more? Right. Well, the Buccaneers have proven it. The Rams haven't proven it yet. Okay, so... And, and, and it would be almost... It, it does sound stupid. To, to bet against Tom Brady. Um, but I have been, um, I've been sitting on this Rams team for a long time throughout the year. And 
it was kind of easy to kind of feel a little bit sort of shaky in confidence about the Rams. It's like we knew they had everything. Uh, they had all the pieces and the ingredients they need to, to really make a run here. Um, it's just that we were just waiting. And it kind of felt like you were just waiting to see, like, when are the Rams going to sort of show up and arrive at a game where they're putting out what we expect? That When's the foot going to hit the throat? Exactly. And so sure enough, they showcased a lot of that against Arizona. I mean, Kyler Murray was completely uncomfortable. He was completely rattled. Uh, I mean, the whole time watching that game, all I could say was like, Kyler, you got to sell down. Can I put a pause button on this matchup? So I want to talk about the Cardinals and I just huge tangent that we're about to go down right quick. How confident are you in Cliff Kingsbury going forward as your head coach? Okay, so I'll just, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's all there. Like, it's easy to question his job security right now. So what I would say is, I think Kyler, sorry, I think Cliff Kingsbury has warranted another shot this next season. Now, I I don't know for how long, but to me right now, or maybe to everyone else, what it seems like is that, Cliff Kingsbury seems to uh, start off really strong, and then he just peters out as the season winds down. That dates back to college as well. Yes, it does. So he's got a track record with this. Now that that's where I I feel that if I'm if I'm in charge of the Cardinals, we're going to give Cliff another shot that going into this year. But I think I I do think that. Uh, it's not unfair to say that he he is on the hot seat. I would I, I I'd say, say it's the lukewarm seat. I think if you have another subpar season next season, like it's basically next year. So you're not even looking. Uh, what I'm saying is the Cardinals aren't even looking at coaching candidates this year. But I think next year, if you have another bad time, you evaluate the available personnel and you understand that. Okay, do we give? Cliff, one more year. It's saying you have a carbon copy of this year and next year. You do. Okay. Do we evaluate him for one more year or is there somebody available right now that we think we should pull the, say like Brian Dable is out there saying, Hey, I want a team like see a cliff. I'm going to go give a shot at Brian Dable because Um, I think it's an equal risk there. When the Cardinals hired Cliff, I was so I was a little bit surprised by the hiring because I remembered he was going to be the offensive coordinator at USC, I believe, before he became uh, the head coach of the Cardinals. Um, but then when that coaching job became available, they wanted him, you know, just because of the fact that he could, you know, him and Kyler Murray have this like kind of relationship where it's like it looks like it could be a dream tandem of having Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray together. Um, Didn't I, Cliff I, coach I, Mahomes as well? I know he coached Tech, but was it Lincoln Riley that coached Mahomes? Because I don't know if I, I know nothing about college no, no, football. No, 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 Lincoln Riley didn't. No, I think Cliff Kingsbury did have Pat Mahomes. It's great. I mean, I don't know. So we're we're pro football, football guys. We're not I college. Know, yeah. I know. But anyway, sorry, and, and people could probably hear this and correct us very quickly, and that that would be appreciated. Shoot us an Instagram comment. Um, let us yeah, know. absolutely. Um, but no, I. I when Cliff got hired as the Cardinals head coach, I thought, I thought, wow, okay, this is just the the trend the NFL is going. I actually felt like I was like I would actually like to see Cliff Kingsbury first be an offensive coordinator in the NFL, right. just to see just to see how he does there. I'd like to see him hack it as an OC before he becomes an NFL head coach. But he he I what I think so I guess what I'm kind of wondering is. Does Cliff Kingsbury just happen to have a, a really talented group that's sort of paying off for him? But And they do well when they're healthy, which, like, yes, as we know, yes. health but, in the NFL is good till about midseason. But Cliff does struggle in late-game situations on decisions, clock management, whatever, like— like these are these are just kind of no alls of of a, of a good head coach where he just kind of keep he keeps these things in mind and in order and and Cliff honestly I think strugg- tends to struggle there a little bit and and you know he, all you can do is go through things and 
gain experience from it and learn. But you know, hey, I mean, the NFL is a is a tough business in general. You know, there's the the expectations and demands are much higher, uh, and the grace period I don't think generally lasts as long. But um, but all that to say, I I mean, I guess to to wrap this all up, I I do think. I think Cliff has earned himself another season, and and then you you'll 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 see what happens from there. Um. So, what do you think is the deciding factor? I, you may have already mentioned it, but like I said, there was going to be a huge tangent that was going to wipe my memory. What do you think is the deciding <laughs> factor for the Rams here, aside from yeah. them just putting it on the on the on the Cardinals, who you and I just okay. admitted like were maybe not that great, and then like the Buccaneers did the same thing against the Philadelphia Eagles team who you thought yeah. was was a little bit more than what people were believing that matchup to be. Right, right. So right now it looks pretty it, – it's looking like that I'm just not a believer in the Buccaneers. I believe the Buccaneers are capable. I just understand the reality is is that the Buccaneers are – are still they're they're somewhat shorthanded on on having all the talent that they want to have and they got guys banged up but that doesn't mean that they're short on on talent on their roster i mean you still got number 12 there and 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 he's gonna find a way because he just does but he's going up in my mind against an extremely formidable defense 100 percent we're talking i mean it's aaron donald you could say the same thing that's number 12. It's number 99 on the D-line. And Rams. number 40. I mean, Vaughn Miller came away with a sack and, last week against and Vaughn, Kyler yeah, Murray. Good so, luck getting so, sacks against him any week. Exactly. So they brought in Vaughn Miller for this very for this very run. And then you still got to worry about Jalen Ramsey in that secondary, which actually I thought played really, really good against Arizona. Now, I don't know what it would looked like had DeAndre Hopkins been healthy and playing. That would have been a little bit more challenging. But... This is what makes L.A. so scary, is they have an extremely effective pass rush. Now, to me, so I think Tampa Bay and, and, and L.A. played earlier this year, and I think Tampa Bay lost because they put a ton of, of, of reliance on Tom Brady's arm to get them the win. And it sure enough, it, 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 they struggled. Tampa Bay. Yeah, we saw Tampa Bay kind of migrate heavily to a Leonard Fournette-focused offense at the midpoint of Steve. Obviously, Leonard Fournette out. We'll see if he returns. He could be back, but it doesn't matter. It looks like they got that running game kind of figured out with those guys. I was going to say the formula, I think, is simple for Tampa Bay. If they can get that run game going, if, they can get the, if, if the O-line can just be locked in, and the, the point is... Aaron Donald and those guys are going to find a way to shoot through the gaps and get through it because they just will. They're just that talented and that skilled. But if Tampa Bay can just find ways to run these sweeps and and get their a solid foundation with their run game going, you know Tom is gonna it's gonna open up the seams more for Tom to make the throws that he needs to make. But I feel that that's just what Tampa Bay's edge is going to need to be in order to. I completely agree. I, yeah, however, I, I mean, think what this is the real struggle here. Bruce Arians is an impatient play caller. He definitely yeah. plays like a guy who's playing Madden all the time. It's just like, no, screw the hey, field goal. I'm he's getting a, he's a, a risk it, no biscuit. That's yeah, what he says. he's like, forget yeah. the first down. I want the forty yard deep, uh, deep bomb or something like that. He's always been that guy. He loves high flying offense. Sometimes at the cost of his receivers in terms of the routes or the level of pressure that the quarterback has to face in order to yeah, get that guy as open game. as they are. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to say that Bruce Arians is going to have to check himself if he wants the Super Bowl, geez, like he won one last year. What are we talking about? Um, but I think this guy and Tom have such a good chemistry because Tom has the experience of these moments and Arians has the formidability to generate an offense that complements Tom's play style so well. He knows how to coach up the guys around him to where it's basically a two-coach system for this offense, it seems like, all the time. And then, obviously, Byron Leftwich, like, having the dialogue at all times. It's just, like, there's a really good chemistry around here that I don't think there's ever a disconnect, yeah. particularly in playoffs. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's got a great group uh, around him with, you know, just Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich as well as his coordinators. But i got to point this out, though. I've been so impressed. I've been so impressed with Sean McVay. We we've recognized early on. We knew this guy's an amazing young coach, Cody. But to go two for two, 
on challenges one in a playoff game. I mean, that's that's awesome. I mean, and for a young coach, he's got some smart guys. You see that all the time. He has yeah. a he he really picks the right guys around him from the guy that whose literal only job is to keep Sean McVay back on the sideline the entire time. He has guys in the booth that are just zoned in on those replays. Hundred percent. He empowers his staff to support him very well and it's it's very obvious that he's becoming the new era of coaches and how that that system will be set up to where the the coach gets to have a more narrow mindset on what's happening this is going to be a very challenging task for tampa bay it's an interesting game and yeah and offensively i just I, i i really do believe that matthew stafford has uh I, I think he can do this. He's got a lot of motivation right now, and I mean that that he's here. He's here to to win a Super Bowl. The That's window is closing for. for Stafford. I understand he yeah, was just signed. Yeah. The, the, I get all that. Like he's he's going to yeah. be with L.A. the rest of his career. Yeah. But the window is closing. Like yeah. you see some moments. I understand he's relatively young by comparison, but yeah, this is just part of it, man. If the Rams are going to win a Super Bowl. You knew at some point you were going to come. This is hey. Roster wise, they've never been better outfitted. Absolutely, but if if you're the Rams and you can beat Tom Brady in a playoff game, that's saying something. That's part of winning a championship. That's part of it. And that would be what you would need to go through in terms of a gauntlet before taking who we believe will be the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau. You've got to be able to beat a. If Cody, if the Rams could beat Tom Brady. And assuming Green Bay wins, if they could beat Aaron Rodgers and Lambeau, they they beat those two. Hey, every reason to be in the Super Bowl and maybe even have a chance to win it. I mean, it doesn't get easier. It's here it is. And I mean, so again, this is a prove it time for the Rams. It's going to get hard. It's going to get harder with every single round. Totally. Yeah, to call this the closest game of a round of playoffs really says something just about how impossible it is to predict. But I, I do yeah. want to save some time because we still got one more game to cover that I think is just as much fun to talk, uh, fun to talk about. I did pick the Rams though, just so it's clear. Okay. Fair enough. We'll, we'll recap all the picks right before the very end. <laughs> so the next game that we have, it's the late evening game, five thirty on Sunday bills going to arrowhead. This is expected to be freezing temperatures. Not that it matters too much. They're up in Buffalo. They're used to the snow. I love this game so much because I think this is the matchup between the two scorned children. Chiefs obviously on a revenge tour after getting embarrassed, kind of embarrassed, in the Super Bowl. They came back late in that game and made it a really competitive out, out outing for them. Um, And then the Bills have just been the little brother for the Chiefs and the AFC for so many years. But this Bills team came out and slapped who has been their big brother in their division for decades now in the Patriots, beating them by 30. Um, Unreal. Unreal game that you and I were so excited to call on Color Gas. And then we just ended up talking about favorite foods and nonsensical stuff. I mean... This defense is otherworldly in terms of how well they just constricted the offensive possibilities for New England. And on the defensive side of the ball for the Chiefs, we really knew that this may have just be a cut and paste from the last time that the Chiefs played the the Steelers in their first round. It was a blowout. Patrick Mahomes if anything was the biggest shock we've been waiting for that unlocked moment of Patrick Mahomes to finally come he comes out with five touchdowns 400 yards passing like holy cow playoff of uh playoff performance of the first round for sure but this game I believe is a really big split for a lot of people and you know I'm I'm gonna be the guy that I'm a Raiders fan and I think the Chiefs are not enough to beat this Bills team. I get it. They got Tyreek Hill. I get it. They got Patrick Mahomes. I get it. They got Travis Kelsey on that offense. But where my next question would be is, who is that running back you can lean on if that passing game is getting throttled? Because the defense is able to just smother secondaries. They can devote two guys to Tyreek Hill and still have plenty of coverage for guys like Byron Pringle, for Miko Hardman, for all these other so-called weapons that the chiefs are supposed to have 
Um, where I think the Chiefs don't have an answer for the Bills is for their defense going against that Bills offense. Dude, Stephon Diggs didn't even have a touchdown last week, and they still throttled the Patriots. Devin Singletary, they're able to just lean on him at any times. Obviously, Josh Allen loves to run. You and I talk about it all the time. We want him to stop that. If you're ever curious on our notes on why that is, see Exhibit A, Ben Roethlisberger, Exhibit B, Cam Newton. You just understand big quarterbacks that run do not run for very long, and then if they keep running after that point, then they don't throw for very long. Uh, anyways, the, I, I just loved what I saw from this Bills defense or from this Bills offense. Dawson Knox was able to come through. I think they are lesser in their caliber of their weapons. Like uh, maybe, maybe, maybe Stefan Dix is probably superior to Ty, uh, Tyreek Hill, but obviously Dawson Knox is going to be a lesser version of, of Travis Kelsey, perhaps, Josh Allen, a lesser version, at least career milestone wise than Patrick Mahomes. But I think this team is so equal, but their their defense is just going to send them over the top. And I don't think Kansas City has enough on defense to stop basically their own offense because uh, it looks very similar. I, I'm picking the Bills in this one. It's my second closest game. I think the, the Rams and Buccaneers is a harder game to pick, but I'm very curious who you're picking here. That's funny because I, I, I'm the opposite. I think this is a harder pick for me. I think this was probably the one where I would I, – I feel I feel more confident in the Rams winning over the Buccaneers than I, I do, say, this particular one. Uh, even just sitting here, honestly, I, I it's hard for me to really put my finger on who I think will win this game. But uh, I think – I mean, last year I picked – Last year, I picked the Bills. I felt so good about the Bills uh, going up against the Chiefs that I felt that they had everything in place then to get this done, and the Chiefs just took care of business. And, uh, you know, it's it's a tough one for me. Um, defensively, the, the Bills have it. They've got all the – I mean, it just – it looks really, really good for Buffalo, but – uh, I just don't know if I can. I, I think I'm going to be picking the Chiefs in this, Cody. Because All right. I just don't. I really don't know if I can. If I can. Uh, if I can bet against Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes and all those guys. I know all year long. Uh, so I have a, the, I have a question about that before you hop into the next thing. So we okay. we kind of touched on this that. The Bills look wonderful. They look great and offensively, defensively. They got the right coaches. They got the right coordinators. Leslie Frazier, Brian Dable, like, holy cow, these guys have done outstanding jobs for this team. But we always talked about it. If this Bills team can't get it done, what do you do to improve this team next year? Because if you're saying that the Chiefs can beat the Bills here. Now, granted, maybe they, the home field advantage is just enough to put them over the top, but what do you think the Bills need? What more do they need to beat the Chiefs here? I think their pass rush is just going to have to be relentless because that's what they're going to... I mean, Mahomes is going to throw, and Mahomes is going to extend plays. I mean... It, and and a lot is actually going to be said for their linebackers and just being able to cover in the middle of the field. I mean, you're talking like some really serious dudes that you got to worry about covering, and that's going to be hard. So because that's a, a challenging task alone, that's kind of what – I mean, that really is going to have to be what Buffalo does so well in this game is their pass rush is just going to have to be relentless. I mean, just absolutely relentless. Uh in order for them to have a chance, I mean, take a take a take a page out of the blueprint that the that the Buccaneers did against Mahomes in the Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like that O line just struggled significantly. But granted, this is an entirely new O line on the Chiefs, and so the Chiefs are going to have a re- the, uh, 
a big factor in this is going to be the Chiefs' offensive line is going to have to be ready. But if I'm Buffalo, I'm I'm sending a relentless pass rush on Pat Mahomes. We just we gotta get the, we gotta do that. We gotta get him uncomfortable. We gotta get him just not set and settled. But you know that that's the thing about Mahomes is he's so talented because the guy can roll out and extend plays with his legs. He can he can pick up big yards on his feet and still avoid the big hit. He knows he's so smart and getting out of bounds. I mean, the guy is just a really really sharp, talented quarterback. But it's it's really hard. It's just it's it's going to be a big big task for this Bills defense. I think they're capable of doing it, but it but I mean, you think about what Mahomes can do even outside of the pocket. And with those weapons that Mahomes has to be able to throw to, I mean, good luck. you got to cover Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Gill, and McCole Hardman, and all these guys, man. I mean, I'm telling you, I mean, it's just, it's a hard one. But then again, you look at the other side, and then it's Buffalo, that offense going against this Chiefs defense. The thing about the Chiefs is they have been, they're getting better at the time when they need to get better. And it came at the end of the year. It's coming at the time when things are really getting really good. And that's my X factor to play devil's advocate because I'm picking the Bills here. My X factor to say what the Chiefs need to beat the Bills is Patrick Mahomes needs to be the Patrick Mahomes of recently old. If Patrick Mahomes just does a copy and paste of round one, then we got a problem here, Buffalo. So... Yeah, because it's like a it's a tough thing for both. I mean, even if the Chiefs lose this, right? I mean, they they they've got this they've got this thing where people like to make fun of them. They're a dynasty of one. <laughs> you know what I mean? They've won one Super Bowl, but uh, but people like to tout them like they are just this dynasty. I mean, three straight but, conference championships is nothing to scoff at, and two uh, Super Bowls out of that. Absolutely, they've been to. They've been to. They're they're one and one in the Super Bowl. So there is something there to say for that. So again, I I think it's a disappointment if the Chiefs like don't get get there or or win this game. And 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 the same goes for Buffalo as well. I mean, this is the one. This is the game that Buffalo. I mean, they needed that win against New England. That kind of win as well. Yeah, and and then you come into this one too again. Buffalo needs this win against Kansas City. Yeah, can they can they do that on the road in Arrowhead against this Kansas City team? But I also feel like Kansas City really needs this win too. I mean this this is vital for both teams. It's not like like it's not like what I felt like last week's game was, where with with New England and Buffalo, it was more of a. I think this win was much the win was much more vital for Buffalo than it, I guess it was for New England. But I. I still thought New England would get that win, but they didn't. So I just the the Bills proved me wrong greatly, and and so even still now I I it's not to say that I don't believe the Bills can deliver. I actually think this is going to be an extremely close game, extremely close because that's just the way the Chiefs like to do it. But I do think the Chiefs come out on the winning side of this. But Cody, this might be less than a touchdown. I really think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's, I think there's just uh, so much that the the Chiefs need to retool in terms of their offense. I don't think that they're as loaded as we oftentimes have a preconceived notion whenever we think about the Chiefs that they're just this stacked offense, and now their defense is playing good, so they must be just so good. I don't think they're as stacked as a lot of people are under the understanding of. And I think this Bills defense, I mean, we hear about it all the time, all the non-pro bowlers that they have, yet they, I think, have yet to allow over 350 total yards of offense to any team this entire year. They've shut out multiple teams. Uh, I think this Bills defense is just going to be one of those all-time defenses. And I think they are, as we always talk about, you know, uh, uh, defense wins championships, this is one of those defenses that can win a championship. I think this is one of those defenses that can throttle a guy like Tom Brady, throttle a guy like Aaron Rodgers. I'm not saying that they're necessarily my Super Bowl winner pick from here on, but this is one of those defenses that defies the Vegas odds of what should happen here, at least from a historical reference point. So, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, great defense. 
But this is, uh, I mean, it was really flip the coin. I think Sunday is, who knows what's going to happen on Sunday. Uh, Rams, Buccaneers, first game at 2. Bills, Chiefs, second game at 5.30. I mean, it's a great time. And, uh, you know, with with the freezing temperatures in in the... in the Chiefs, and then obviously you have sunny Florida with uh, with the Rams heading down there. I think it's it's just like a good contrast. But this is exciting. I I love these these round of matchups. I think we got a really healthy uh, playoff roster this year. There wasn't necessarily obviously we saw the number seven seeds get blown out. We get it. Everybody's calling them a participation trophy and all this and that. Last year the number seven seeds lost by a combined I want to say twenty points. So it just it, it happens like it's it's a crazy years these these things happen um but overall i really thought it was a healthy roster now i have a question just one final question on this divisional round afc matchup before we move on do you think and we're going to we're going to operate under derrick henry not coming back do you think the bills chiefs matchup may as well be the afc championship that whoever wins this one is the afc representative in the super bowl Basically, I mean, obviously they'll have an AFC championship game against Tennessee or Cincinnati. But do you think this is the matchup that really defines who is going to represent the AFC? Yeah. Um... Again, operating that Derrick Henry doesn't come back. <laughs> yeah. Because any, any, any legitimate mm-hmm. football fan should know. This statement isn't, or this question is a non-question if Derrick Henry comes back. So we got to see what that guy does. Yeah, I think the AFC champion uh, does come out of this game. I really do. Okay. I I could say that. I think, I think this is, yeah, I think this, one of these two teams is going to be representing the AFC in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And that's why I think it's the Bills year. I think they're trying to finally end that Super Bowl drought. And, um, there's something to be said about teams that have such a intangible drive that is unavailable to other teams. Chiefs have obviously been there a bunch of times recently. Titans still trying to get it together. I think they would just be happy to make it to a Super Bowl. But Bills, they have four falls back in the 90s that they got to answer for. And I think the city of Buffalo, watching how they resounded um, this past weekend, I think they're hearts are beating with the success of this team that there's just too much riding on it that the players can pick up on that and it just kind of gives you that seventh gear that you need to just really put it on teams and um anyways i i completely agree with you and then obviously the chiefs just being stellar they're they're the veterans so to speak of the afc so yeah i'm right there with you but um yeah that that covers all of our previews i I wanted to do a quick recap and um I'm just going to say the the matchup and you go ahead and give me your pick and I'll give you my pick and then we'll move on to the next game and just make it easy to remember for the listeners. So uh, first game on Saturday, 3.30 p.m. It is the number one AFC seed Tennessee Titans hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. I have the Titans. I have the Titans. Okay. NFC Divisional Round second game on Saturday is the night game, 7.15 p.m., the 49ers are heading to Lambeau Field to take on Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. I have the Packers in this game. Packers. So on Sunday, we have the NFC Divisional Round, the two-seed versus the three, the four-seed Rams. Um, it's going to be at 2 p.m. I have the Buccaneers in this game. Going with the Rams, man. Okay, that's where we split first. And so then we have a follow-up game for the AFC as we round out the divisional round with the Buffalo Bills heading to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. I have the Bills coming away with the away victory in this one. The Chiefs. Nice. And just in case you're wondering whose picks to align with, just remember I was a perfect 6-for-6 in that first round. What was your record in that first round? You got one or two or how many did you get? Uh, Oh, how many did I get wrong? Uh, oh, I got, I got. You got I got Patriots. You got, yeah, Patriots. I got Patriots. Yeah. Just saying. So, if you want to, I got the, I got the rest right. I got one loss. If you want to pick any pinch hitter, pick the guy who's batting a thousand. Uh, but that uh, that wraps us up for this week. I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut no, Taylor's I, rebuttal I was, off. I, no, I was gonna say you've been kicking my rear end all year. It's a, that's a fact. Hey, even a blind sport. 
Thank you everyone for tuning in this week. A couple news and notes before we talk to y'all next week. We will be doing another ColorCast commentary this weekend. Our current scheduling only allows either the Green Bay Packers and 49ers game, or what we would like to do, if the scheduling allows, is cover the NFC showdown between the Rams and Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 2 p.m. on Sunday. We will probably throw a poll up for you guys in our Instagram stories. Make sure to vote on the game that you would like to hear. And again, download the ColorCast app, the only app that allows fans to engage with live action sports. You can join our hot seat where we will give you the mic for 60 seconds. You give us your take and we discuss. ColorCast can be found in the iOS app store and is coming soon to Android Marketplace. For Take It to the House, my name is Cody Simmons. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.